Welcome, Birdsong, to our Youth Leaders Oasis. I'm going to give you this, and you guys can fight over it. And uh, so why don't you introduce yourself to us? Tell us a little bit about who you are, all that kind of stuff. So Sweet. My name is Benjamin Birdsong. My name is Philip Birdsong. My name is Colleen Birdsong. My name is Timothy Birdsong. So let me guess where you got your name from. Your mom and dad, right? They helped you name the band. Said, mom and dad, how do we? So cool. So tell us a little bit about how you got all started. Like, We were, um, we had missions conferences at our church, and we went to a uh, independent fundamental Bible church, kind of similar to a Baptist theology uh, growing up after coming out of the Church of Christ, um, where my, my dad and just some other elders kind of just had a, you know, just started meeting in our home. And after we started going to this church, they really got involved with missions. And so um, after a while, my dad was kind of a workaholic. He ended up just kind of receiving this calling to go on the mission field and, uh, and we thought it was Papua New Guinea. So we enrolled in language school and uh, at the same time, we started going to bluegrass festivals in the Northwest. Yeah, I know, right? It's, you wouldn't think Seattle, the home of Nirvana, uh, would be a bluegrass thing, but it's, it's almost more of an Irish, kind of a Celtic influence on a lot of their bluegrass. And so in the meantime, you know, I started playing mandolin. Philip, you were playing guitars, other stuff. Colleen, you were playing fiddle. You played fiddle. We just kind of switched around on instruments. So our mom and dad, we'd go to nursing homes and retirement homes and like little church gatherings and things like that just to do something while we were preparing to go on the mission field uh, abroad. And so all of a sudden, we're getting called uh, hey, will you come on a Sunday morning and kind of encourage our church? And so at the time, we only had two songs, so we thought, well, let's learn some more. You know, like a, a big gig a big gig to us was like there was a retirement home that had a pool table and like a chandelier and like, oh, my gosh, we've hit the big time, guys. And, you know, and that was about 95, 1996, something like that. And then it was bluegrass festivals, and then pretty soon it was, we kind of got into the southern gospel realm, playing with people like the Crab family and a lot of the Gaither people, uh, Ernie Haas and Signature Sound. They still have our cassettes. That's how old we are. They still have some of our cassettes. Um, and then we begin to write our own music, and you can kind of tell we're pretty eclectic. So you, hopefully that kind of shares with you why we play mandolin on one song, and we're like... Uh, trying to be the Foo Fighters on the next. Um, it's just, we grew up with Journey, you know? That was like our jam. And so it was like Journey meets Bill Monroe, Bluegrass, Ricky Skaggs kind of a thing. So we're all messed up. So in a nutshell, and here we are today, and we never thought that that would be our ministry, but we've asked God to shut it down. We've asked God to pull the funds away. We've asked God to... Um, Whatever it takes to take us off the road, we don't want to hold on to this, but he has kept it going and um, uh, 20, 20 years now. So we're very blessed. So it sounds like you all are very instrumental. So, so how many instruments do you play? I, I don't keep count. Basically, if we buy it. <laughs> no, it's not in an arrogant way. There's so many I can play on radio. Like, who, um, and, you, and you can't count. Well, it's mainly strings. So I play uh, electric and acoustic guitar, mandolin, fiddle. I mess with piano mainly for songwriting. Um, he won't teach me drums, but I started. I could play a little bit. Dude. So but do you play just the drums or do you? We pass around instruments. The one okay. thing that I think is kind of our Achilles heel is the banjo. It just, it's got a thing. And my older brother, uh, who used to travel with us, uh, he was, he's the banjo guy. And he just, yeah, he would lock it away and... And that you wouldn't mess with it, but it's right. it's a skill. I'm learning ukulele. That's a that's a tough one. It's got four strings, but it's killing me. So. All right. 
All right. But yeah. So uh, how many do you play? Uh, well, did you mention guitar is one of his favorites? So yeah. Okay. Okay. Electric. Yeah, and all that. Yeah, he plays a lot. Um, uh, well, when we first started, it was mainly vocals. Uh, yeah. I love singing, and then acoustic guitar and violin. And then since my oldest brother came off the road two years ago, he was the bass player also. <laughs> and so since he came off the road, I picked up the bass. Oh, nice. So I've been playing for two nice. years now. So, <laughs> so it's fun. But uh, Yeah. And other things I just mess with off stage, like the piano and stuff, but not, yeah. He kind of stole it from me a few years back. So yeah, yeah. I took the lessons, and then he took it. So I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, so what about you? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, piano, guitar, uh, bass, and then the cajon box thing. Okay. And so what's your favorite? Piano. Piano? <laughs> nice. So it sounds like you write a lot of your music. You do a lot of stuff. Like, What is your motivation? What's your... Like what's your sweet spot when it comes to like why you're writing a song or what influences you? Like, talk to us a little bit about that. I think it's vulnerability. Um, that's something that it's taken me a while to learn, um, and I didn't know that that was kind of the the crux of it. Um, but it, I had a moment where it was like, do I write what I'm hearing currently to try to make people like me and to try to fit in, or do I write what my heart is aching to say? And what I, what I want people to, to hear, mainly not to hear me say it, but to resonate with it so that they can feel free to say it. And so whether it's a, a song that resonates with somebody about child abuse, something that they went through at a very, very dark time, and they feel, you know, Satan's kind of enclosed them and isolated them, and they see the world different than other people do, um, it, it has a tremendous effect, uh, trauma. Um, but I want to say it's, it's okay. There are some of us who feel that way, too, you know, let's go ahead and we can talk about that. You know, go and share that with somebody that, you, that you're safe to. And we love having a good time. We have a great time. But if we can open up the door for somebody else to uh, invite them to be vulnerable through being vulnerable our, ourselves and being very, very weak and okay with it, that's, I, I think that's our purpose. Okay, so let's lighten it up a little bit. <laughs> because Justin Bieber has brought this to the forefront, I would like to know who you would challenge in an octagon fight. So who would you think you would want to... What famous person do you want to beat down in an octagon fight? It'd be fun to go with Matt Chandler. I think... I think oh, Pastor, he'd just be so scrappy, but he's like, come on, man. Are you, right, are you tracking right. with me? Are you tracking with me? That's right. You, yeah, he might. All right. Oh, man. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, man. I'd fail at all of them. I'd probably want to fight... Who? Gosh. Um, the, the name that's just coming to my mind is David Grohl from the Foo Fighters. Just so I could just hang out with him. I'd have him beat me up and be like, good fight, man. Can we go like play jobs and jam sometime? So it probably wouldn't be a fight. It'd be more like a meet and greet for me. Okay. So. I'm really drawing a blank on those kind of questions. Um, yeah, I don't really want to fight anybody. Um <laughs> No. Could it just be a band brawl? Is that the way that we're? Brawl? Yeah, you, you just take. I don't yeah, even I like those, but unless they're productive. <laughs> but um, oh, I don't know. I'll have to think about it here. Do you know? Probably uh, Chris Pratt. All right, yeah. all right. There you go. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. That'd be good. good. Oh, good. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, hang on to the mic. Hang on to the mic. Hang on. To, oh, no, yeah. hang on to the mic. Oh, hang on. So, sounds like you've traveled a lot. You've done done a lot of. 
probably late night venues. You get done, you get everything packed up. It's two in the morning. Where are you eating dinner? Where are you going? And there's one place that I want to hear you say, but I'm not going to feed it to you. So, like, where is the go-to two in the morning? You've got to eat there if you're in that city. Like, what do you want? What do you? Oh. What is open at two? There's in the very morning? few yeah. things. That's the problem. We've been to Applebee's sometimes. All right, really Applebee's, late, yeah. get some half-price apps. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, definitely. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's usually it. Right. That's usually it. Chick-fil-A is always on Sunday. That is the tough one. We'll get done usually on a, on a weekend. You know, like this festival will wrap up on Saturday evening, and yeah. people take off Sunday. We're like, man, we're headed home. What do we want? Chick-fil-A. And then we're oh. like, oh. <laughs> yeah. But no, McDonald's, yep. they, they're, yeah, they're good. Their breakfast all around is really good. All right, all right. No Waffle House? No. Because no. The one in our town, the W's out. It's, it's so the it's awful, awful House, yes. Oh, that's good. It's, good. it's serious. That's, that's a serious thing. All right, so, so you've, traveled, you've traveled around a bit. So which is better, White Castle or Crystal? Death. Do you all even know what White Castle <laughs> and Crystal are? Crystal, so which one's better? You, no. You, that's like the only place we don't go. I'm sorry. Can we still be friends? <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. So y'all won't eat there. We're all on all right. a bus after. You got to yeah, watch No, no, I understand. Eat. I understand. Trust me. <laughs> I've been in plenty of youth vans with teenagers. I understand. Crystal's is terrible on students. Um, it's, it's an awful thing. We're trying to, we're trying to all right. So, all right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. So what was growing up like in the Birdsong household? I think we're starting to get a different perspective on it. It's weird when you're homeschooled and you're like, okay, so not everyone else was on the road full time at age 12. Um, I've been playing music as my livelihood, which uh, does not mean we make a lot at all. It's just we we channel the resources in such a way to to just feed into the ministry. That's our main thing. and uh, But it was just, it was very, very good. But... I think we're starting to realize now it's kind of a, there was a lot of pressure um, at a young age. You're having a great time, but then you're like, if, if, I'm, if this doesn't turn into something, like what's next? And so um, we, like what, one of the things we're doing here is we're running tech for the big tent and, um, and they gave us a break so we could come over here. And so we, we love the music part of it. We love the songwriting part of it, but all these guys are, uh, you know, recording engineers and, and sound techs and, uh, um, doing graphic design and so many other things. So if God calls us into something else, uh, we can do that. But it was, um, you know, we were, we were playing soccer and she was in ballet and then all of a sudden we were, we were missionaries. And it wasn't my dad's decision. Uh, it was like, hey, you know, is this something that God's calling? Let's take some time and pray about it. And, uh, and so I don't know if at age 9, 10, 11, you can really you're just kind of like, hey, I'm, I'm up for whatever. What, it's kind of like Samuel, here am I, you know, uh, wh- what do you want me to do? But then God has seen fit to kind of grow us into these people now where we have a story, we have a background, we have something we can offer that people can relate to. So God's really just held us up in such a, a unique way because I wouldn't, I wouldn't write a book and say, here's how to, you know, homeschooling is for everyone. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that having a full-time ministry as a family is uh, – 
is like the way to go. But it was our story, and God has been faithful and, and, and just blessed it. But I can't really prescribe it, yeah. if that makes sense. Not yeah. that it was bad, right. but it's just Satan has been fighting it every step of the way, and there's pros and cons to any ministry. So a lot of people sitting in the room, turn myself off. No. I, that was me. I just pushed the button, sorry. <laughs> So a lot of people sitting in the room are youth leaders, and so it sounds like you guys grew up in and around the church, and you being homeschooled and different things like that. Like, how did youth ministry fit into that picture for you guys? Was there home church? Like, how did that fit? Youth ministry, we had kind of like an Awana-type program uh -huh. at a church called, uh, it was Word of Life, and... Uh, a lot of vacation Bible school and that type of deal. And uh, and so we had a, a great nurturing pastor, great youth pastor and that type of deal. Um, God didn't see fit to, uh, my testimony is kind of I grew up the church kid, but God didn't really get my attention to kind of my head knowledge to kind of like a heart knowledge. I don't want to use that like cliche. Yeah, yeah. But basically just God brought me to repentance, and I know when that happened. And that was here just a few years ago. And so God took all of that youth things. You know, I was probably that knothead that nobody thought they were getting through to because I would pretend to be the good church kid because that's where I got praised. Right. You know, I, my, my niche was not doing the bad thing and looking good to the church. Um, but I just kind of smile and nod because I knew that would make me look good. Um, but then I'm so grateful that people poured years, hours, blood, sweat, and tears into my life that I completely ignored and kind of had my own theology, my own worshiping me kind of thing until I was like 26 years old. And then all of a sudden God allowed that. I think in First in Peter it talks about like there's some who will revile you, but you know, on the day of visitation, um, and I believe that means on the day where, where God kind of re, just awakens uh, a sinner's heart to, to love him and to want to repent and to follow him, they remember all of that stuff. And so I'm a huge proponent of just pouring in, even if it doesn't seem like they're listening, you know, just sowing that seed. You know, we can't change hearts, and I'm, a, I'm evidence of that. I'm evidence of so many people being very, very patient and not getting to reap that harvest, but sowing faithfully anyway. So if that answers that question. So I've got one question left, and then we're going to open it up to you guys. So if there's any questions from the room, the way we'll do this is I'm going to go stand over here. If you have a question, you can just come get in line. And then so if you want to move now, if you have a question for the band, uh, and then that way you can speak into the microphone. I will not give you the microphone, but I will hold it, and you can speak into it. And uh, so if you have any questions, this is my last one. So if you just kind of want to step over there, uh, we can let you guys ask some questions. So my last one is, this is mostly a room of youth leaders. So what advice would you give them about dealing with students in your or in their youth ministries that would have a similar background, being homeschooled, being those kids they, they may not think they're connecting with? What advice would you give these guys? As he alluded to, we do a lot of, we wear a lot of hats, you know, when we're at home. I'm an interim worship leader at my church and kind of a co-youth leader of sorts. Um, more on volunteer because I'm gone so much. Um, but just kind of seeing and then being experiencing in uh, kind of the youth group setting, you just see a lot of stuff. Um, you see the church kids that come in, you know, maybe they're from another church. So they kind of, they know the protocol, they know game time and, you know, now it's lesson time. Now I got to do my thing. Um, at my youth group, it's very much, it's like the most non-youth group ever. It's more like um, 
like a hangout, kind of like a celebrate recovery for kids kind of thing. Because the majority of our youth group, they're adopted. Um, and they're mostly like one family. So like most of our youth group is like, hi, everybody. They all show up at the same time. And if they're not there, you can tell because it's a big group. But that was one of the big things when we would have youth leader retreats as, you know, again, ever so often it's middle school to high school is how we run ours. Um, you know, the seniors leave and you kind of, it's that, it kind of does the same thing over and over and over again. Um, but you get new kids and so you kind of have a set, you know, style of this is what youth group looks like. And then you get those kids that sort of shake that and kind of mess with that box. And so uh, at our last kind of youth leader meeting, that was one of the things that was laying on my heart. It's like, we can't always pretend like these kids know what we're talking about. And we can't always pretend, you know, that they're getting it. And so if we just get up and kind of put on our earplugs while they're all kicking each other and just read the Bible and then hope, you know, and kick them out the door, it's like, that's not going to do anything. It's that relationship. It's showing that they care, um, that we care for them and care for their situation. It really helps. Because then the truth kind of sifts through that. It's part of that life. Um, and so for me, that was a big one. It's just kind of, it shook us youth leaders like, it's, we have a messed up youth group, <laughs> you know, and there's some messed up kids and uh, some sketchy stuff. And, but as you gain their trust and you share in those, you start to see them. There's some kids that are just so tight-lipped. They won't talk. They won't do anything. But, uh, you know, when the spirit kind of breaks through that toughness, that, like, you know, they build that barrier. If you don't know what I've been through, you can't just tell me, that, you know, these things. Um, one, of, one of our kids back home, he was uh, probably the coolest kid. Played basketball with him, smile on his face, just a cool kid. Uh, and then I saw him at Walmart the next day, and he was like, you know, hey. And his mom was like, are you going to tell him what you're doing this week? He's like, yeah, I'm going to a rehab center for suicide. I'm on suicide watch uh, because I tried to kill myself. And this was the kid couple days before I was shooting three points and, and having a blast so I had no clue and so when I see that kid it's you know, he's the kid that smiles but will turn and punch a hole through a wall um so I was like I can understand that pent-up aggression towards you know other people and when when he let that go he's a totally different person and I can have that conversation now I can share with him hey it's not going to be easy these situations people are going to get on your ever-loving nerves um, but you trust God and you love and God will soften your heart and, and things will change. And so you find that, it, uh, you find those new, that new vision, uh, almost every year. And so that's, that's a big lesson I've learned and that's overflowed into other ministries and, and things like that, that I'm a part cool. of. Cool. So are any questions anybody want to ask, uh, this group? And if not, that's totally If you do fine. come, just come stand right over here. So we want to get it on, on the recording, so. To make sure we hear you. They have so. good air conditioning, so we'll yeah, we do. They, they're like, take your time. It's great. This is the Some best kept secret at creation. All right. I apologize. I have a head cold, so it sounds like everything's echoing my head. Allergies um, the worst. Um, from Maple Grove, Ken Humble sends his love. Um, yeah. But my kids have grown up. Uh, Zach would have crawled like under pew benches with Joshua. So like, oh. our family loves your family. So I just have to say. My daughter, who's 20, her mind was completely blown when you guys were playing with Jonathan Cain last night. So yeah. I just want to know, oh. what did that feel like from your perspective? <laughs> Any Harry Potter fans? Should I go there? Yeah. 
Do you remember when Harry? Okay, do you remember when Harry meets Gilderoy Lockhart, and there's like this incredible personality that's just like larger than life, and that's what it was like. It's just wow, this guy has talked to so many people. He's been around the world so many times, and and just sitting there and listening to you know his story and and the things that he's been through was just like incredible. But no, he was like a nice Gilderoy Lockhart. He, um, really sweet. I mean, I, I will tell you. Um, this is the first thing like this he he'd done. So you know, we're the kid stage techs, and and he calls us, and he's like, "So I'm flying into Pittsburgh." I was like, "No, don't tell me that. I don't know what to do with that." So I got him in touch with the right people and whatnot. But he, um, I, we had never played "Don't Stop Believing" until we played it up here on main stage. We didn't d- get to practice. We didn't. Um, we just completely winged it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You know, when as he was giving his testimony, I'm back there with my guitar just sitting there with my head up against it because I've got no amp, just making sure I've got the lick, you know, correct. So that was the first time I've ever played that. Um, I really love these guys. They're great because they can do that. Um, he was supposed to, I don't mean to spread like bad stuff, but basically like, uh, he, he's been so busy, he didn't get us like the song that he was going to do until about a week ago, and we had to load up all this gear to come here, so we n- actually never rehearsed either of those two things. So he really trusted <laughs> us, and I really appreciate that. He's a very trusting guy, and um, he didn't talk down to us. He's like, let's go, let's go do this. Let's go rock for Jesus. So I loved being trusted by him. That whole story is just, what a trusting guy to, to trust uh, a bunch of young people he'd never met before with his music and his legacy. So just a great guy. So as a follow-up, when are you covering Don't Stop Believing? Will oh that be on a gosh. future album? Forever. <laughs> I told them last night, it's like, you guys realize our life is never going to be the same now. Every time we hear that song, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember how to play that. And or they're going to request it when you show up somewhere, so. Oh, I'm sorry. As siblings and um, your story that you just told us, so you've been together always. How do you keep a balance of being able to work together when you're annoying each other and not on the same page or angry at one another for not being where you are all spiritually? Because obviously your journeys have all been different even though you're all together. So how do you do that? How do you come out unified in a ministry of music when you're not necessarily unified together? Yeah, Two weeks ago, we were in Michigan, and we sat down in a circle, and we argued and yelled at each other for five, six hours straight because we hadn't talked. We just talked about band and music and ministry, and, and there was stuff that we needed to say, and we had been avoiding it, pending it up. So every we were just like a tinderbox ready to explode because at some point, you just, you know, you, you take everything personal. Um, you don't realize your phrases are doing damage just the way you may say something you may not notice and it hurts. So be, being current, we had a, we had we pulled in this guy, uh, a great friend of ours who was at a camp, and he just sat down with us and these guys. He's basically our moderator, and uh, it felt really embarrassing. It felt really difficult, um, and we're still working through that. And basically, one of the things we came to is, I need to be older brother. I don't need to be band leader. I don't need to tell these guys what to do. I need, I need friends. I need, I need to watch these guys grow up and celebrate them for, 
for being my, my brothers and, and sisters. So we basically, we handed over the leadership to my wife who can say mean things and nobody takes offense to it. <laughs> you know, she was running front of house out here and she's a, a really, really sweet lady and she's gone through a lot as well, but that's what God's kind of raised her up to do. So getting, I thought my goal was when my dad left the group to kind of be their dad and they didn't need that. They needed a brother. I thought they needed, I thought I was their shepherd and they were my sheep because I wanted good for them and I did love them, but I was loving them wrong. So like, I just want to be their brother and I'm, I've been able to cheer them on so much better since then, but it takes being current and saying the awkward thing and we're still practicing. It is hard because we're, we're the kind of people that it like, you know, if you ran us over with a bike, we'd apologize to you. <laughs> And so, um, but then we're very, there's an aggressive side that never comes out. So learning to go ahead and say what we mean is really important. I, I recommend that for all groups, all, any leadership groups. Any other questions? Anybody got anything? Well, thank you guys for coming and spending a few moments with us, sharing a little bit about your music and your heart. And you guys, are you here for the whole festival? Are you going to be working? Yeah, we'll be over at the Big Tent. Um, yeah, a kids' worship and late-night tent is over there, and come by and say hey. So you do awesome. the dance party? Yes. Y'all DJ the dance party? No, no we get to make it loud, though. That's our job. <laughs> oh, you're dancing in the day. All right, got it. So if you see them around, make sure you stop and talk to them, uh, share with them. They're uh, great guys. So thank you, Birdsong, for coming in. We appreciate it. So.